Hello and welcome to The Blurry Bits. My name is Rob and I am a queer theatre maker. My pronouns are he and him. And I'm Charlie. I'm an actor and a writer. I'm queer and trans. My pronouns are they, them. Together, we've made this podcast exploring masculinity with all its beautiful and brutal complex nuances. We have interviewed some of our favourite people to dive into the tricky questions around gender, queerness and class. We want to explore masculinity in all of its shapes and expressions. What's toxic about it? What's tender and vulnerable? When does masculinity feel good, feel sexy and useful? When does the patriarchy squash the good bits? What are the questions we haven't quite got the answers for? Where are the edges and what's in those blurry bits between the binaries? How's your masculinity been this week? How's it been? It's been tired. Feels like I've been doing lots of thinking and that and being very aware of myself for some reason. Oh, it's mm. because I, I know why. It's because I've gone back into the world a little bit. I've been aware of how I move through space a lot more. And then I've been thinking about that a lot. And I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's a pretty good answer. It's hard to get out of your head and into your body, isn't it? I was having a sort of a big think about my pronouns uh, last week. I still think I'm a he, him. But I was considering that I might be they, them. Ooh. Yeah, I know. How was that exploration? No, it was good. It is a, it's an interesting thought exercise to go, okay, I have a choice mm. and is the one that was given to me actually correct? Mm. And what would life look like with a different choice? Completely agree. And I, that's exactly what I did. I sort of went, well, what does that, what would that actually do? Nothing. And it, what's interesting is because I put my pronouns everywhere now. So I put my pronouns on Zoom and in my emails and my emails, I've now linked my pronouns to a website that talk about how to talk about pronouns. Great. Talking about pronouns and all of these things. And I thought, well, I'm talking about pronouns so much. As listening back to uh, a couple of episodes of the podcast, lots of people, we, like, we've been talking about masculinity as sort of a concept. I'm sort of interested in what other words we'd use that would be associated with masculinity if there was another way that we could define it. So that's that's been on my mind over the past couple of weeks as well. If language is ever evolving mm-hmm. and like language hasn't caught up yet to define like how we talk about everyone, therefore does is is the word masculinity out of date? Does the word does it is that helpful? Could we should we change it? That's what I was right. thinking. That's really cool. And talk about it more of a like lived body experience mm-hmm. rather than a cerebral intelligent like uh I'm doing a hand gesture that nobody can see because this is a podcast. But it's a beautiful hand gesture, isn't it? It's like a salute, but it, there's also a little swan hand. It's a little bendy salute. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's bendy salute. Bendy salute. Um. <laughs> it feels like a game show. Welcome to Charlie's bendy salute. Great prizes to be won. And you just come out and smoke. little shy trumpet (laughs) it's like when you're in the school band and you've got a solo but you're a bit nervous (laughs) that's just that's the noise i make when i'm nervous anyway (laughs) (laughs) oh how is your masculinity been charlie Mm, I think tired as well. Both like very joyful, but also there's quite a lot of darkness going on in the world at the moment. So I've just been really sensitive to that. Um, 
I've been really in my feelings <laughs> to quote a youngster. Um, I've got my haircut, so I feel fit. Yeah, I'm jealous. Um, I'm jealous of that haircut. And then there's like sunshine going on and I feel comfortable in my own skin more than I ever have done. Binders in the summer are not great. Mm. So I've just been like having a bit of acceptance around wearing a sports bra or no bra, just a Mm t-shirt and being like, fuck it. No one in Hemel really cares. I might get beaten up. I might not. Who knows? Gamble. Gamble with my breasts. Breast gamble. <laughs> That's one of the games in your <laughs> your bendy salute. <laughs> yeah. I've been quite jealous of lads that have like taken their t-shirt off and have tucked it into their mm. their football shorts and are just walking along topless. I'm like, oh, the freedom in that. I've been quite jealous of that. But also like just I've just stubbornly decided to have a nice time this summer. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> love that's the way you describe it. I'm stubbornly saying I'm gonna have a nice time. Yeah, you know when your head gets a bit noisy with body image stuff, and you're just like, nah, I'm I'm actually just not having it this year. Like, I'm just not good. Yeah, fuck it. And this is the first year also that I'm not competing for a fight. So like, I don't have a six pack, and it's okay. I'm still worthy of a bit of sunshine. Do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> I've been like laying in the field next to my block of flats reading just like in a sports bar or a little vest top. And that's been really nice to be like, yeah, fuck it. I saw on Twitter and you text me recently that you got your name changed. I got my name changed. Finally, I applied for it in October and it's now June. Um, there was, there was a delay for COVID. I didn't realize it would be that big a deal. Um, but I cried when the letter came. I was like, fuck, like, that's, yeah, that's my name. It's very empowering to, to go, yeah, that's who I am. And like, I had to fight for it. I had to pay to do a fuckload of paperwork. It took months and months and months. And there's something about the effort involved in not surrendering to fucking bureaucracy and just going, no, I'm going to really fight for this. And when it was finally here, I was like, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and then I went to the bank the first thing I did went to the bank and was like when I got there suddenly was a bit nervous that they were going to be a bit like transphobic and gross and and they were so lovely that I cried in the bank (laughs) and the woman was like you okay and I was like yeah it's just really emotional (laughs) like my voice kept doing that and then I went next door to the next bank because I've got two banks and then, <laughs> but of course, you just you're just course. going in, you're just going in there to go and see your vault, right? <laughs> no, I go to my vault, get the gold. <laughs> and they were also very lovely and just like, oh yeah, fine. Do you want your title changed as well? Because um, they have like Miss or Mister or Ms or MX, and I don't know how you pronounce that. Bit weird. I was like, can we just not have one? Like, do, do we have to have one? And they were like, oh. I don't know. And then actually on these like six occasions, we don't have to have one, but on this one we do. So what would you like? So that was cool. Yeah. And then there's like still now a fuckload of paperwork to do to change it everywhere. But it's starting to feel really like good. I think it's powerful, a name. Yeah. I've got that Shakespeare, like what's in a name? (laughs) That (laughs) quote has been in my head for the last couple of weeks, but I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. Like it is a very powerful thing to go. This is who I am. This is the label that you will refer to me as. This fits. 
Rob, what have we got on the podcast today? On this episode, which is the last episode in the season, how have we got here so quickly? It's ridiculous. We're going to be talking to Chedu Uraka, who is an amazing grime artist. I've known him for a number of years now, and he sort of blows me away. He is huge in many ways. He's about 10 feet tall, and he's been turning heads, and he's been making waves, and steadily growing sort of his solo work. He's been long known as a leading figure in the northern grime scene. Uh, He's called the Black Yorkshireman, and I am just so excited to talk to him today. Um, Let's get to it. I don't want the beef, I won't care. I just want the peas upon my plate. If I did you wrong, it's my mistake. If I didn't feel the love, I had to dead it like a waste. Chedu, Oraka, how the hell are you? Very good, considering like what's been going on in the world, but I feel like I'm in I'm in good spirits. I've got a EP that's going to be coming out in July, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I've been look at you getting the plug in straight off the bat there, man. Oh, that was great. That was skillful. I'm, that was skillful. I'm not messing about. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, like this year, I've just been consistent with releases. Even the back end of last year. So obviously, lockdown's been tough, but for me, I've just tried to use it to my advantage, setting up things like mailing lists and doing EPKs and stuff like that. That's something that Chedo Araka has never done. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I just want to be the artist. That's all I care <laughs> about being. I don't want to do any admin work. Do the admin. Like but <laughs> yeah. I never thought I'd be creating a mailing list. I know that might not be a big deal to anyone, but it was a big deal to me using MailChimp. A lot of, lot of scratching head moments. Using EPK like Adobe, Adobe Spark. Like I'm not really a creative guy in that sort of sense, so... Lockdown's been, yeah, it's been all right. It's good. I mean, I I, I signed up to your mailing list, man. Mm. So it works. No, and it's, uh, it looks really good. All that stuff looks really great. Where are you in the world currently? Currently in Hull, currently in my mum's house, in my in my sister's old bedroom, actually. So, Amazing. Just, yeah, let me just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> First question really is like, what even the fuck is masculinity? To be honest with you, yeah, someone asked me this question before, actually, uh, earlier in lockdown, and, and my answer hasn't really changed. I think it's just about being being yourself and being comfortable with yourself. Like, for me, like, it, I suppose in the media, like, the sort of a, a poster boy for masculinity, but that's changed now. Like, for me, there's no, there's no poster boy. For me, it's just... Like I said, just being comfortable within your skin and being able to express yourself in any way possible. Like, not, I think being a strong masculine person, in my opinion, is just standing up for what you believe in and, 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 and never sort of compromising completely, just being yourself, no matter the environment. Do you think that's changed as you've grown up? Yeah, I think it has definitely, completely. Like, obviously, I'm from, like, up, from up north, heavily involved in the chav culture when yeah there was a lot of peacocking walking around like arms out trying to trying to be the top boy like and that always that was like to do with like sort of like violence like who was like the hardest who was the cock of the school who like who got the most girls like that sort of stuff and all that's just when when you when you think about it now because I was heavily obsessed with that. Like I wanted to be known and I wanted people to know that I was the hat, like a hard guy and walked around with a strut in my step and like sort of like a caricature really, like put on a bit of a persona for people to respect me more. 
and to be honest with you, it's all it's all bullshit. Like stiff upper lip, you're not meant to cry, like and all that. Like I I I learned as I got older. It took me a while because I think I'm I'm a, I'm a short a bit probably a bit later than everyone else, but it took me a while to realize that it means nothing. And what like what do you think that's about at school? Like that peacocking and wanting to be top dog. What is what is that about? I think it's the estate culture. Like I grew up on on like one of the roughest estates in my city. And that just was embedded, embedded in us all. Like, if you was really, if you was the whoever was the most naughtiest got the most respect. If you could steal a motorbike, if you could steal a car, if you could punch someone in the face, if you if you could throw stones at a window and get chases, like that was sort of what you was respected for. And if you could do that, you were seen as like a real man. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and that's what the girls would gravitate to. And 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 then even when I started going out drinking round round Hull City Centre, like. That like sort of like the mob mob mentality, like always being with your boys and stuff, and always like bigging each other up and getting into situations, and and yeah, that was seen as being like a man. Because sometimes I feel like my masculinity gets tested in the sense that I was brought up by women. I was brought up by my big sister and my and my mum, and I can't do some of the things that my mates can do. You know, like even put up a shelf and like handyman stuff. Like I'm useless. Like I I, I was washing the pots. Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> That that was what I used to do, wash the pots and clean the house. Like that would yeah, like even my mum my mum and sister take the Mickey out of me now, like literally like I'm tall, I'm six foot seven, I'm quite imposing, but I can't put up a shelf, do you know what I mean? Like I struggle to even mow the grass. Like I'm one of those type of people, do you know what I mean? When you was younger, who was the role models on that council estate? Like where were you learning that in order to be masculine you needed to behave these certain ways? Like what were the role models for you there? And then now that it's changed, like what's who's been inspiring you throughout that change later? Mm, so like growing up, it was like I said, all the all the all the all the wrong ones really as I would call them like all the naughty kids off the area like so I'd look up to kids who could like steal motorbikes steal cars wheel wheeling motorbikes down the street or wheeling push bikes down the street they were the guys who I used to look up to kids who wore all the nice like sports gear and stuff like that and like the kids who could fight they were the kids who I was like yeah I want to be like them but then when you get older and you start to grow yourself you realize that these guys are really insecure got a lot of issues and they're not even really like the people they appear to be like. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not actually like that. Like it, deep down inside, yeah, they're actually it's that quite, performance. yeah, it's just the performance. They're actually quite soft. Like I say, I was just obsessed. But then as I got older, like I started watching. Like so, I watched uh, a documentary at the beginning of lockdown. It was it was the Chicago Bulls one. It was the uh, Last Dance one, and uh, it was like Dennis Rodman, man. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I saw it. Yeah, he was like. As I was when I was growing up, I thought this guy was interesting, like, and I thought it was just a bit like weird. But as I but as I've got older, I watched that documentary. Like, he's like a f- proper trailblazer, man. Like, he really didn't care. Like, he just did what he wanted. And to be honest with you, all my mates who were like like me from like quite a, like from council states, quite a chab background. After after we watched that uh, documentary, like, we all thought that guy was the greatest. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's how my mindset's changed because before. I would have thought someone like that was just a weirdo. Where now I I I love someone like that because again, going back to what I said about masculinity, like he's just being himself unapologetically and yeah. like just because he wears girls' clothes or wears nail varnish or whatever or has like piercings, he was getting all the fit girls. <laughs> he was getting all the fit girls and he was the hardest guy on the court. 
So what 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 does what does that tell you? Like he, before he joined the Bulls, like he he played for like the Pistols, I think, and like they were bullying like Michael Jordan, like terrorizing him. He was knocking him off the court, like actually like injuring him. And that's a guy that you'd look at and think, oh well, you think he was a bit soft by the way he dresses, but that don't mean nothing. So he's someone who definitely inspires me. Like I, I just I'm just inspired by anyone who anyone who just likes to be themselves all the time. Yeah, it sounds like celebrating that proper like integrity and yeah. honesty and like being comfortable in your own skin mm. and not having to like perform something that other people are saying this is how you need to be in order to like be a man yeah definitely definitely and like even like my, my favorite artist is a guy is i'm sure well, you might be aware of him you might not be aware of him but it's an mc called skepta and like mm-hmm. he's transformed into this like global superstar now and he came from like obviously pirate radio just doing grime sets like in Tottenham or whatever like Hackney or wherever them areas were in London and like now he's like he's an advocate like he wears like girls clothes like he he's like a fashion icon do you know what I mean like wears Louis Vuitton like just done, just done a diesel advert like that that for me is just that's masculinity like that's that's not being scared that's trailblazing and and that's what I feel like I represent myself. Yeah, I feel like that looking at Little Sims as well. Yeah. Like her style, it's like evolved. It's become a bit more fashion now, do you know yeah. what I mean? A bit more like couture and that. Little Sims is one of my favourite artists, man. She's sick. I just love how she doesn't, because I'm sure there's pressure to like put a little skirt on or whatever. Yeah. And she's just like, nah, like I'm here. It's all about the words. For her, it seems to be all about the music. And like, yeah. As she's grown as an artist, like, I've seen her live a couple of times and like, her mm. sets are always just so sick and like visually exciting and like she collaborates with different like visual artists so that mm. there's like amazing lights and like um what's the word? Like projections and shit. Yeah, just integrity. Integrity. Integrity, just, yeah, definitely it's, it's, yeah. it's a strong word. She's like levels above like all them girls who have to like, no offense, have to sexualize their work. She's level like and and I'm sure that Obviously, I've never spoke, so I've never met her before in, in my life. But I'm sure, like you said, there's been pressures for her to do that. And I'm sure, like, she's probably felt frustrated at times, like, when her music hasn't been put in certain places. Like, oh, if, maybe if I put on a skirt or did this, like, they'd respect me more. But I just, I'm just glad the fact that, she, yeah, she's just kept true to herself. Yeah. It's so exciting. Like, her latest stuff that's coming out, I'm really excited about that. Um, I was going to ask you, like, if there's been a similar... Like you make music with such pride mm. about being from the north, being from this North Hull estate, like celebrating working class culture in the north, and just constantly referencing that and showing that, and and like in all your visuals. And firstly, like where does that pride come from, and like why is that important for you to celebrate it? Like secondly, have you ever felt pressure not to put a skirt on? Like like we're talking about Little Sims, but like have you felt a pressure to like be a bit more London? Good question. I like this. I like that question. So where the pride comes from is it's just, you know what it is? It's just, it's just in me. That's what it is. Like, it's just in me. Like, it I baffles me when I see artists put on, like, I get it, certain artists, yeah, you do put on a character, but not in rap music, man. Like, all the rappers that I respected growing up, all was just themselves. In my opinion, you've got to be yourself. I'm not from Brixton. I'm not from Hackney or Peckham. I'm from Norfolk Estate in Hull. Like, why would I rap in a London accent? Why would I rap about things that, happen in london because it's fake mm. i'm trying to put my community on like i'm trying to represent my community like i'm trying to put my city on the map how can they be proud of an artist who is trying to be like somebody else 
I feel like that's my selling point. There's no one like me in the UK. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No one like me in the UK. Even like a lot of the northern artists. Unfortunately, the sort of stereotype of like UK black culture is like the roadman gangster sort of image. Where I come from, that isn't the case. Like we don't have we don't have a black community is in, in terms of like there is a black community, but we don't have a black area. You get me? Like in, in London there's heavily black areas like Brixton. We know there's a lot of Jamaicans in Brixton, Peckham, there's a lot of Africans, like there's a lot of like black areas in, in, in London, but in Hull there's none. So I can't start acting like that. I've just got to do my my own thing and I've got to tell the black experience from my own perspective, which I don't think's ever been told in, 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 in UK black music. And the pressure, yeah, there's definitely been pressure uh, to maybe act a certain way, but it just isn't me. Yeah. And like I say, I go back, like my selling point is is me, like the black Yorkshireman, like it's Shadow Oraka, like it's just the black kid from up north, like from Hull, like it's it's rare. Do you know what I mean? And why that's a selling point. So why act like I'm something else? That's such a beautiful message for everyone, really. Is like, because sometimes I think the thing that we're most scared of sharing about ourselves is actually like, like you just said, our selling point or like mm. the most beautiful thing about us. Do you know what mm. I mean? And it takes a bit of time to like stand in your own boots and like be comfortable in your skin and be like, yeah, well, this is who I am. And mm. then once you get to that point in your life, I've had a similar personal one as well recently where like I'm like, oh yeah, this is who I am. And like suddenly like my creativity is blossoming and like mm. I'm meeting really cool people. And like, it, I think it's like when you're in your integrity and in your self-esteem and like just honestly being yourself, mm. then everything flows a bit easier rather than like, I don't know if that just comes of age. I think you and me are a similar age. Maybe it's yeah, yeah. that as well. But I think it does. It's just, it's just about being authentic. Do you know what I mean? Like my experience is different to someone who lives in London or a, or a Manchester or a Birmingham, but it doesn't make their experience any better than mine. It just makes our, all our experiences just different. And I'm someone who just, sometimes I just don't understand why different experiences just aren't championed. But it, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you you were just talking about Rodman as being a trailblazer for mm. being authentic, authentic. And I remember when we met first time, the fact that you were doing that you had brought grime or that you were doing grime music within Hull was something mm. that no one had done before. And mm. so it, it it's funny that we use these words of authentic, like just being authentic, but also then people's being seen as trailblazers. Mm. Um, right, and I think though it, it feels almost paradoxical that those two things are in the same space because actually if everyone's just authentic then no one will be a trailblazer right yeah you, yeah, you need yeah. you need sort of the sheep uh yeah. in order for there to be a trailblazer so in some yeah. ways that you're a trailblazer if you're doing if you're being in your authentic self doing those bringing a, a particular music genre to a space that doesn't that didn't normally have that the idea that when someone is different whatever that means that people are fearful of that difference mm. You know, you were talking about Robin being a bit, you know, a bit odd or a bit soft or a bit whatever. But actually, I think it's when we are our authentic selves, then we 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 become stronger. I think. I read this quote right recently. You know, the artist Matisse who done like amazing sculptures, like all like mad sort of curvy body shapes. Um, and somewhere he he said like, "Is your focus?" the progression of art or is your focus the being the person that done it do you know what I mean and it's like 
if I'm really honest, sometimes I'm just caught up in wanting to be the person that done it <laughs> rather than like genuinely wanting literature or music or theatre or visual art or whatever to progress, yeah. like for the greater good. Do you know what I mean? It's something that's yeah. just like, I'm thinking about it a bit obsessively at the moment since I read it because... It's about the ego, right? It's about, it's about the ego. Yeah. And like, there's got to be a bit of healthy ego going on. And like, especially in your genre of music, like what you're making, like it's all swagger, all right? Ego. And like, yeah, all, ego. all on the front foot, all like saying it with your chest, like a lot mm. of pride and a lot of like, I've done this, I've done this, I come from yeah. here and I've done this and I've done mm. this. And I just wondered like how you, I don't know what the question is, but something about like balancing swagger and humility like how's that going <laughs> yeah it can be tough but for me i understand i think a lot of these rappers don't understand their position i understand my position i understand my position in my community i understand that in my community there's no positive role models the, the only role models like i say like uh, are the thieves and the drug dealers and unfortunately like there's there's an element of poverty where i come from there's a there's desperate there's definitely like aspirational problems like no one thinks they can achieve anything unfortunately and for me i understand that and maybe i'm putting a bit too much pressure on myself but there's an element of me wanting to be that guy but not for a selfish reason it's to give the youngsters sort of like a guy that they can look to and think you know what he's done it so we can do it and i understand i'm not shying away from being a role model i carry myself i know myself do you know what i mean i've had a lot of trials and tribulations so i know myself i don't really get dragged into too much of the childish stuff because like i said i'm a little bit older and I know my position and I know what I want to do for my mum and my sister. Like I want to retire my mum. Like I, I always say it, like I want to help my sister achieve her goals. Like even though I'm the youngest, but that's what I want to do. Like there, like I don't really care about anything else. I'm not here to have a fancy car, jewellery, the big mansion. I'm not here to, to, to post pictures on Instagram and, 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 and do all that sort of stuff. Like I, I saved that to... I save that for them guys. Like for me, I'm I'm here for a real purpose. That's beautiful. It's so inspiring to hear it. I don't fuck with Charlie on a Monday. I know a girl likes me if she says she can't stand me. Hey, black boy in some palace gear. When does your masculinity feel fucking awesome? On stage, can't lie. Like stage for me is the is just like my release. To be honest with you, yeah, I don't mind writing. I don't mind recording. But for me. I just love performing and, and seeing people's faces and seeing people's reactions and just getting amongst it. That's when I feel on top of the world, to be honest with you, Rob, when people are singing back my songs, when people are coming up to me after the gig and wanting to take photos and stuff like that. Like I have, I take an enjoyment from making other people feel happy, basically. Brilliant. So yeah, that's when I, my masculinity is on top form when I'm on stage, like, all eyes on me like i told you before i'm an artist i just like to be the artist like i love performing and that's it to be honest with you man like i suppose it is for the ego a little bit like yeah i'm the guy on stage but like i say man like it's just to give other people a, a great experience because the world's shit man like it's shit you know what i mean so like if you can come and spend a fiver or 10 quid to come see me perform it's my duty to give you the best performance ever so you go home feeling on top of the world. Yeah, the ripple effects of that can only be beautiful. Mm. Mm. It's good for our mental health. Whether it's like music or sport or film or theatre or whatever, like I was just thinking about like when I was little growing up, the times when I felt most alive and excited were when I saw someone being fucking brilliant at whatever it was they were doing. Like mm. it doesn't 
it might feel a bit kind of selfish that like we're focusing on ourselves and like, oh, worrying about our egos and stuff. But from the outside, when I'm receiving it, I'm not thinking, oh, that person's really arrogant or whatever. I'm just thinking like, look at them being like amazing and like mm. letting themselves shine and like a service like yeah. to the community. Do you know what I mean, it don't come across as, it don't come across as arrogant when someone lets themselves be fucking brilliant. It comes mm. across as like amazing service but it is a fine balance with like all the social media and all the chat and everything you were saying about having to do the what did you call it MailChimp and all of that stuff like the sort of publicity side of it and like that's the bit where I struggle like I I find all that stuff a bit hard because it's like you just want to let the work speak you just want to have those moments where you're on stage yeah I'm with you completely that that's what I've I've just been speaking I was speaking to my my producer and like my business partner uh D's kid the other day we were just saying, like, if we could just, if it was just about the music, we'd, we'd be laughing. Mm. All this, like, promoting and, because I don't have a manager or anything, I don't even have a team. It's just, I'm just a one-man band mm. doing everything. Mm. Like, my writing has really suffered, to be honest with you, because I'm mm. just doing everything else. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to get that balance right and go, like, actually, I need to turn all that off for a moment so that I can focus on actually making Do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not a um, grime expert. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that surprises you, I know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, I, you know, my experience of the work that you do and, you know, what you introduced me to when we've worked together, mm. like you are a big man. Mm. You're what, six, eight foot seven, tall, yeah. seven foot tall. I mean, and, you know, you are a towering man. Um, so I'm really interested in, maybe this is going back to a question that we've asked before, but the intersect between grime and the way that you have to sort of the outline of what a man looks like yeah no it's a good question so i go back to like when i first when i first ever started performing i was very timid like i was someone who was like this big imposing character on stage but i couldn't wait for the song to finish because i was so scared of messing up my lyrics or forgetting my lyrics like i just like Grab hold to the mic, grab hold the microphone so tight and just spit loads of spit bars, but just like with no like there was conviction, but just no with no character. It, it, it probably looked like to the to the audience that I didn't want to be on stage, and I had to grow into that. And 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 I think what helped me was sort of going to gigs where they're not there to actually see like a rapper, like them the, they're there to see like because Hull's very guitar centric, so there's a lot of bands, a lot of acoustic singers. So especially when I was coming up, like I couldn't get a gig for for anything and and if i did it'd be sandwiched in between these sort of acts so at first yeah i was nervous but then in the end i had to sort of become a beast on stage so i could get my respect and like i think doing things like the rallying crowd really helped because that was the fair that was the fair sort of environment where it was more about the i thought it was more about the performance than the than the lyrics so obviously the lyrics played a part but me sort of getting in people's faces and, and knowing when to like hold back and then knowing when to attack and stuff like that really helped my artistry, to be honest with you, especially on stage. So thank you for the opportunity because for me, it was me stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm. And now I like to do that now. Like I've just, I've just accepted a gig doing a spoken word gig in Bradford and it's like in some sort of vintage shop or something like that. Ain't really my forte, but 
I feel like for me to become a better artist, I need to test myself and do things like that. It's great. Rallying Cry, just um, to give context, was a, a show that we did at Batsy Arts Centre. Uh, and Chedu did this amazing, we sort of trans- transported uh, uh, Chedu's estate from Hull <laughs> into <laughs> into South London um, mm, yeah. and, and just did this amazing, amazing piece of work. And we just worked looking at sort of performance style and stuff. That's great. That's you're, you're, exciting. You're so good at it, though. Like, you're so good at it. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. I'm just happy that I got to, like I say, like, honestly, that that situation helped me a lot. Like, before that, I'd say I was a good performer. But after that, I think my performance levels went up. It's interesting, isn't it, where, like, the different bits of, like, opportunity to grow as an artist come from. Like, unexpected places. Like, mm. a little poetry gig in Bradford like yeah who who knows that what like different flavors you're gonna find by something that's a bit more stripped back and like vulnerable and like less lights and drama and what that's then gonna do for your music I don't know mm. but it's mm. that's really exciting that you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I really I really really loved your Black Kings Upon Whole series on YouTube like oh thank you I, yeah just I like binge watched all of them when I was mm. Google stalking you <laughs> I really enjoyed it really enjoyed it and was like fuck I've not seen anything like this before do you know what I mean about black men artists music culture working class culture in the north like it was just mm. so good like I wondered if you wanted to speak a little bit about that and maybe like did you was anything surprising for you in the making of it like did you learn anything you know what it was it was just again stepping out of my comfort zone for me like there was a lot of things that was quite traumatic really and and I never thought I'd ever really be sharing them sort of stories or doing that sort of stuff but I, I again I'm so happy that I did because if a young kid from Hull can watch that and feel sort of inspired or feel like they're not alone anymore then I'm happy I felt like it was it like big up like back to hours as well they're the organization who funded the project and big up like my co-host Bax as well. And I feel like we we got so much out of it, not not in terms of like financially or anything like that, just in terms of just being able to express ourselves and like I've just covered, like talk about things we've never really spoke about, talk about subjects that we've never really had sort of the balls to even go into. Like I never thought I'd be interviewing Janet Alder. Do you know what I mean? I've always known about what happened to her brother, but I never thought I'd have the opportunity to actually speak to her and find out about her story because I feel like her story has always been fighting for justice about her brother but no one's ever asked her about her herself and I, I, I and I was so happy that I was able to do that and 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 get involved with that yeah I mean I don't I don't think I, there was anything that I was surprised about but what I was a little bit surprised about was the reaction from the whole people like they really got behind it really supported it and I think it's it's really important that that I think I thought it was really important that we did it and again like going back to authenticity and honesty like just the way it was shot and the, mm. the way the, conver- the way it was edited and the conversations that you were having like just seemed so natural like not performed like you were letting yourself be seen as like imperfect and like you were asking questions like I remember there's there's one where you're in a kitchen with backs yeah and I think he's got a little and running around and jumping mm. on him and stuff and like I think you're talking about Black Lives Matter and 
kind of performative allyship and stuff like that mm. but like you're you're kind of like working it out as you go along and I just mm. felt like it was so brave to like share with us an unpolished I'm a fucking human that's working this shit out and I don't know and I'm learning mm. new things about myself and like let us see that because so often with social media and there can be this pressure to like know exactly what you want to say say it in like one or two short sentences that's really yeah. neat and really clever and like watertight and no one can like yeah no one can like cancel you yeah. there's no like and it's just so much pressure when actually it's mm. like I'm a human that's trying to learn and in mm. order to learn I need to make mistakes and if you're not going to allow me the space to like grow in front of you what am I supposed yeah. to do like do it in private and then come out when I'm perfect yeah like, yeah yeah so I just felt it was such a generous offer no you're right like something what you said there is like we don't know it all and you're right, like, there's so much pressure on social media to know it all and, like, give out so many gems. And, like, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to make... Well, there's two reasons why I wanted to make Black Kings Upon All. The first reason was to tell, like like we touched on earlier, the black experience from outside one of the big cities. Like, people might not even think there's black people in Hull, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you ask certain <laughs> people about, about even Hull. Like, I've had conversations with some of my London friends, and at first they didn't even know where Hull is. When I tell them I'm from Hull, they're shocked. Do you know what I mean? So that was one of the reasons, like, to tell the perspective of, of the black experience from outside one of the biggest cities. And the second reason why I wanted to do it is I wanted, obviously, with the whole George Floyd situation and the whole BLM, like, the, the, the light has been fully shone on BLM at the moment. I wanted to have a piece where if someone said to me, oh, well, what did you, when, when it was BLM, like, what did you do? I can just show them Black Kings upon all. Oh, this is what I did, you know what I mean? This is what I did to raise awareness. Like, even though there was no pressure to do that, but I wanted to do that. I think there's something interesting as well about men talking to each other. Like, that. I think what Charlie's talking about as well, but I, I just think this, for me, traditionally, when I look at, I suppose, masculine figureheads that I've had around, around me in my life when I was younger, you don't talk about shit like that. You don't mm. work, you don't show the mess. Mm. You have to stand up. You need to stro show strength and strength, power, control is mm. not messy or creative. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's something beautiful about what you're doing by showing the mess. Yeah, and I, definitely. And it, it rose a lot of conversations. It did because obviously my, like my mates, they're, they're all white basically. Uh, and even some of the things that I spoke about in the doc, they've never even heard because I'm like seen as this strong, powerful figure. Don't really let my emotions out. And they was they were surprised by some of the things I was even saying. I was like, oh, I never even knew that. I never even knew this. I never even knew that because I've never really let onto it. But obviously, the BLM whole George Floyd thing was was obviously very traumatic. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, and and they some of my friends probably don't even know how much that affected me. So then when they're seeing Black Kings, it's like, whoa, like, this is mad, do you know what I mean? Like, we didn't even know Chedo felt like this, but... So when you say about the bravery, I was a bit nervous, like, how would people react? But I'm just so glad that I did it. It goes back to that authentic self, right? It goes back to that thing yeah. of going, this is my truth, this is the thing that I... You know, this is all the stuff, rather than mm. just the stuff that I'm fronting. Yeah, it's all about the truths, and I don't mind letting my truths out, to be honest with you. Like, even one of the tracks that I released this year the trials and tribulations of CEO like I'm talking about some real deep stuff on that stuff be a mugs game there's so much more than your hood fame people didn't know some of the stuff that I, I was even talking about but I feel like all my favourite artists like they're vulnerable within their music I grew up with a chav mentality 
From a young kid I lost my sanity I was lost and I didn't have clarity In a bubble no need for reality You can't be mad at me Where I come from it goes down like gravity No self-love, no one knows about vanity And I feel like it's just yeah, it's important for me to do that. Yeah, definitely. It seems like the more swagger there is, the more you earn the opportunity to be really fucking vulnerable. Like, mm. I was just thinking as well about like how much specificity is involved when you're like spitting lyrics, like you work it out, write it, whatever, how you do it, or that like, you freestyle, but there's like, it's literally locked into a rhythm. Like you're very specific about what it is that you want to say and how you want to say it and like how freeing that must be to be like that is how I feel about that thing like the um, um, the clarity and the specificity is like must be so empowering mm. but also like a lot of pressure right when you're still yeah. trying to work shit out and I feel I feel that with masculinity that there can be pressure to definitely know the answer and to like speak in like absolutes like everything's got definite full stop at the end like I'm not going to ask many questions because I know how I feel about this thing <laughs> and it's like all right but maybe like there's a lack of curiosity going on there like it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to like not know the answers and it's okay to like be a bit open-minded and teachable but yeah it's a lot of pressure I think I- I'm really interested in what your artistry does like how does that enable you to explore things like, because you used to be a teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. And it used to be a sports teacher, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then you quit that to be mm. to, to do what you're doing now. Like, what's the artistry giving you that teaching didn't, for example? Do you know what? Just freedom. Like, for me, like, I, I, education, yeah. I love the kids, but for some of the teachers with wallies, I was really <laughs> like... <laughs> Just not the word I was expecting. <laughs> And, and even like the structure of like mainstream education, like it's still not versatile enough for me. Like the like every kid doesn't learn the same way. Like I went to university, I got my degree, but I only got one GCSE. I got a GCSE in PE, and that was it. I was not good at maths, English. I did all right, but like I didn't get a, I didn't get a C. And because I was I was quite naughty at school, but because we was bored, because not everyone learns the same way. Yeah, I just didn't, in the end, I just fell out of love with it. My fav- my favourite job was the job that I had before I went to a mainstream school, but the pay was rubbish and I just wasn't appreciated. And it was it was a great idea. It was working with kids in a pro, so kids who were being kicked out of mainstream education. Worked there for four years and it was a sports programme where they'd, they'd come to us and they'd learn to become sports coaches and they'd, they'd, they'd learn, like a, I think, they get like a BTEC level one in sports development. And we were teaching some of the toughest kids in the city but by the time they left, they could deliver their own sports session. And when I say their own sports session, that means they could it, it, it'd be a warm-up, it'd be a starter, it'd be like a, a main drill and a drill that would go into a game exercise, and then it would be a cool-down, like a full-hour session. We would teach kids, and they would be able to deliver that in, in more than four sports. Do you know what I mean? Some of the toughest kids in the city. And I loved that because back, like they hated it when they first came, but, by the end of the, by, by, but when they had to leave, they'd still come back. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was always the case. Because I just think, like, kids sometimes, they need an element of freedom. Obviously, they need boundaries, but you can't jump on them every time they just step a little bit out of line. And that's not, that's just what I didn't like. And and music gives me, because I am a teacher by trade. It gives me, and I think teachers should be, should be people who inspire. That's what I feel I can do. I can do it in my own way through my music. Mm. So that, 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 
that answers the question wrong. Yeah, I completely agree. Maybe a long way around. No, 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 no. I, I completely agree with you. I, I have lots of conversations with teachers, and I hear exactly the same thing. I used to work in Prues as well. I used to work in Hackney Prues. So some, you know, some of the toughest, toughest kids in in Hackney. Kids. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I think for me, they're the most creative. And I think the yeah. biggest thing for me, my paradigm shift within that was a lot of those young people were merely stepping up to the labels that they'd been given. Mm. If, if you t- if you are told that you're the naughty kid so many times, then you're going to go, well, I'm the naughty kid. Mm. I'll do what you expect me to do. And I think, and actually all, all that we did in that crew when I was working with them, and it was a fucking tough job, mm. but all we did was give, give them space to question, to be curious. And that was scary at the beginning, which is why they hated it. Who the hell are you? And what the hell mm. is this fucking theatre shit? You're like, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> I ask that myself a lot. But mm-hmm. by the end of it, they were able to tell they were able to tell a story of themselves in a different way. And that's a really powerful thing. And that you just can't do that. In my experience, in in young people don't have that space in schools at the moment to be able to do mm. that. I think I think that's yeah, that was a brilliant answer. Love it. Where do we find out more about you? Here's here's your chance to plug. Like where's where where do we find more about uh your work, your music? You just need to be following me on my socials. I'm quite open on there. Like you, you know all the developments. Like literally, Shadow Oraka uh, official on Facebook. Uh, Oraka LD on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, just keep keep locked into the journey. Do you know what I mean? Make sure you join my mailing list. I might give you the. I'll give you the link, Rob. What you can put, attach it to this, to right. this podcast or whatever. And yeah, man, it's gonna be it's 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 a it's a marathon, not a sprint. I always I always <laughs> say like I always get I get frustrated as well. Like I see like artists would be liars if they say like they don't get a little bit annoyed that their art isn't get isn't getting appreciated how they would like it to be. But I do believe that in the end, I will I will get to my destination. Love it. And if I remind if I. Re- remember rightly you've got a tattoo on your arm right what's yeah, your what's yeah. your that says lockdown yeah lockdown so lockdown's my uh lockdown's my collective and it's so uh, yeah i was just it's it, not it's that is you didn't get that this year right it's no, not <laughs> no, you know what i mean when i'm wearing the merch around town people think that but it, literally i've been i've been representing lockdown for like 15 years for when i even pick first picked up the pen uh it's always been my collective's name at the moment it's just got me uh a producer slash artist these kid and a dj joe the third and obviously yeah we, we we do our own merch we put on our own nights we release our own music for our own independent label room 73 so yeah we're just trying to take over the world man and do it do it do it properly proper independent not all these artists who say they're independent but are not independent, you know what I mean? <laughs> They've got big teams and everything, mm. pumping money into them. So, nah, yeah, that, that's that's lockdown. It's just three whole boys just trying to put our city on the map. I mean, it's, a, you know, you've got a good brand there, right? It's Everyone's been using the word lockdown mm. <laughs> for a long time now. So yeah. it's a good brand. Nice one. Um, yeah, really grateful for you coming on. Thanks so much. I feel like properly inspired at the minute by people who have done a little bit of work on themselves and like questioned like what their purpose is and and what they're aiming for. And you just seem like somebody who knows 
I'm doing it for this. Like you've got mm-hmm. that kind of spine or like that, like North Star that you're aiming for. It's very inspiring for me because I've come to that quite late. Like mm-hmm. I think I know where I'm going now, but I was confused for a while about like, who the fuck am I? What am, why am I here? What am I doing? And like mm-hmm. the best people that I meet have got, um, a bit of like a purpose and like a community that they're serving. And so, yeah, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. No, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's been um, always, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Chedu. Um, I have very fond memories of you uh, giving me your tour of Hull uh, a good number of years ago. I'd absolutely loved it. It seems like forever that now, doesn't it? it, Well, yeah, that's so true. (laughs) So true. (laughs) But um, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Um, It's been an absolute joy. So thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. The Blurry Bits was presented by Charlie Josephine and Rob Watt. Sound design and editing was by Rob Watt. If you like the podcast, then please do subscribe. And uh, if you're up for it, give us a five-star review. Please find us on all socials at The Blurry Bits. See you next time. Thank you.